Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. And on today's show, we have Mark Ronseca and Mike McCarthy at Pragmetrics, a company that specializes in helping CEOs understand and uh, improve their relationship with their customers. So welcome, Mike and Mark. Thanks, Soyini. Good to be here. Uh, I'll start the show off with the question I always ask my CEO guests, which is, what are the trends in your industry or area of expertise that you think CEOs in the middle market need to know? Well, I think, so. You know, the, the big thing that kind of um, actually was the, I suppose, the source of the business that we created is the fact that customer defections continue to increase. There's a study done that showed that uh, across all global industries, um, customer defection rates have increased over the last four years from 17% to 22%. In what period? In, in a year? In a period of four years. Right? So, so if I have a customer, they're likely to defect in... Well, this is the point. The, the, another very staggering statistic is the fact that U.S. companies now lose 50% of their customers in five years. And so the, there's an increasing trend. And of course, it's because customers have so many choices now. The, the power has entirely shifted to the buyer, as we know. And so what CEOs have to grapple with is the fact that they have to find some way to increase customer loyalty. Because, as of course, as you lose customers, that affects the, the growth of your business. And so the whole function of Pragmetrics is to help CEOs figure out how to get ahead of that curve, reduce defections, increase customer retention, and there's a direct relationship then between customer retention and the growth of the business. So maybe I'm going to ask a, probably a silly but very basic question. Um, customer defection, uh, is that just basically losing a customer to a competitor? Ex exactly. So, so um, what the, the, the data shows that and when we talk about customer loyalty, we're, we're really talking about three very specific behaviors. So a loyal customer will continue to buy from you, will buy more from you, and will recommend your business to a friend or a colleague. A customer who defects will stop buying from you and will go and buy from somebody else. Mm. And why are customer defections increasing? You said that the, the, the power is moving to the buyer. But why would they be liking their existing vendors less over time? Well, here's, here's the reality. The, the only differentiator that a, co a company has left now is the customer experience. And so the companies who excel in the area of the customer experience are the companies that are increasing and continue to grow through customer loyalty. And as we'll get into here a little bit in the conversation, um, when you are truly a loyalty leader in your space, loyalty leaders grow their businesses on average at twice the rate of their competitors and at a lower cost. Mm. So, Mark, I would love to hear from your perspective. Is the, it, it, so if you have a pool of companies in the same industry, and as Mike said, the companies that are really good with customer loyalty tend to grow twice as fast, this defection issue, is it uniform or is it disproportionate? So some companies have a disproportionately 
large number of defections. And so it's skewing the average or so some companies just are really bad at customer loyalty or is it that most companies are kind of very mediocre at it? Yeah, I think since I do all the conversations and I talk to the customers, um, I just think there are some companies that offer a better experience than others. For example, Costco. You have Costco and you have Sam's. Same exact business model. Started essentially the same time. But Costco has a net promoter score somewhere in the low 80s. And Sam's has a net promoter score in the 60s. So let's unpack that. First of all, for people who may not have heard of it, what is a net promoter score? A net promoter score is the score that a company gets that's based on customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a benchmark in the industry. It's widely recognized, uh, mostly in the realms of the Fortune 500 and the Fortune 100, the, the Costco's, the Chick-fil-A's, the Apple's, the Zappos, uh, people that you instinctively or know or have dealt with that have, give you a great customer experience. Mm-hmm. And so what is, what is the exact question for the net promoter score that you get the 80% or 90% for. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, that's what's, that's what's so powerful about this, uh, this methodology is it's only three questions, but the information that you glean from the three questions uh, is very prolific. So the first question, you've heard it a hundred times, is on a scale of zero to 10, with zero being not likely and 10 being highly likely, how likely would you be to refer this company, right? Um, to a friend, or to a, a friend or a colleague, mm-hmm. right? So, if so, on a scale of zero to ten, how likely would you be to recommend X company to a friend or a colleague? Uh, so, only if you're getting a nine or a ten, are your customers going to exhibit the loyalty behavior? Anything less than a nine, your customers are at risk for defection. Wow, yeah. is it just that people are um, being nice? You know, when they well, well here's the interesting thing, Saini. So. And there's a lot of research been done around that specific question and and what each of those scores means. And what they've found is that if, and this is what many people will give a seven or an eight and say, hey, this is a great score. I, I'm very happy with this company. So I give them an eight. Uh, but the, the data shows that only when they give you a nine or a 10, have you triggered that emotional connection with the customer. So Sevens and eights are satisfied and even very satisfied, but it doesn't mean that they're loyal. And so if they give you an eight, but something better comes along, maybe a little lower cost, or they feel that the experience is going to be better, then they will defect. Whereas somebody who gives you a nine or a 10, they're already connected to you emotionally so that if your service level drops, for example, then they will tell you, hey, I'm, you know, something happened here and and I want you to know that I'm not too happy. And so they'll give you the opportunity to correct it. And that's an element of loyalty. So as we move from sevens and eights to nines and tens, we're moving from satisfaction to loyalty. And that's where all the difference in the world occurs in that transition. So what a CEO needs to do is find out where his customers are on that scale and then figure out what he needs to do to move those customers to nines and tens. Hmm. And so you said something that I think is an important distinction, uh, a little bit subtle, is that there's a difference between satisfaction and loyalty. So one point of clarification would be how could somebody who is satisfied not be loyal or why would somebody who's satisfied not be loyal? Well, again, the research shows that. So when we assess an experience we've had with a with a company, 
we assess it on two scales. One is the rational and the other is the emotional. And to achieve satisfaction, all we need to do is be rationally happy or if, you, if rationally satisfied. The product meets all of our needs. It has all the right features, et cetera, et cetera. But unless we have this terrific experience with the, cust- with the company, we don't get emotionally triggered to where, and the key emotions that have to be triggered are the fact that you feel safe in doing business with that company, the fact that you feel happy, and that you feel cared for. And those are the, mo- the emotions that you need to trigger in your customers in order to engender loyalty. Right. So I'll give you a great example, USAA Bank. If anybody out there does business with USA Bank, you'll relate to what I'm going to say. The average net promoter score in the banking industry is 18%. That's the average. So that that score would be what on the on, to on the, the lo- question on the loyalty scale. The average net promoter score in the banking industry is eighteen percent. USAA Bank, they're in the high in the mid eighties. I guess just to make sure that I'm understanding yeah. the metric is when you say eighteen percent, is it eighteen percent of banking customers gave their bank the nine or the ten? Is well, that that correct? Yeah, or is it that they scored between like a one and a two on the on the question? That's a great question, right? And it, and it is important to clarify this. So let's go back quickly to the score, zero to 10, mm-hmm. when you're asked on the likely to recommend question. If you give a nine or a 10, you're classified as a promoter. If you give a seven or an eight, you're classified as a passive. And if you give a zero to six, you're classified as a detractor. So the net promoter score for your business is the number of promoters less the number of detractors. And here's the interesting thing. The average net promoter score for U.S. companies is 10%, which means that they have almost as many detractors as they have promoters. Whereas loyalty leaders have net promoter scores of 70% and above, which means that the vast majority of their customers are promoters. And that's all the difference in the world. So the challenge is to go from average to a high score. What was the middle? So promoter and detractor I got. The middle passive. 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 Right. Okay. And these are these are the ones and it's interesting uh, you know so Mark and I we do this work for companies to figure out what is their net promoter score and most companies as we say they don't really have a detractor problem they have a promoter opportunity because many of their customers are passives. Yeah, they're in the 7 and 8 category. Yeah. But those those are the ones that are vulnerable. Here's the interesting thing. Satisfied customers are just as likely to defect as dissatisfied customers. This is kind of one of the frightening things about... So the passives are just as likely to defect as the detractors. Correct. Exactly. And that's where your risk lies for most companies. And that's why... Because they're complacent, right? They're complacent. They may do a satisfaction study and say, okay, everybody's satisfied. Exactly. Uh, And this is why there's what they call the perception gap, which states that 80% of CEOs believe their firms deliver a superior customer experience, but only 8% of their customers agree. And that's because so many of the customers are in that satisfied, but not necessarily loyal category. Yeah, so just about every company we've done work for, we've asked them, what do you think your score is gonna come in at? And- The net promoter score. Right, and the score always comes in lower than they thought. Is it significantly lower? Usually. Usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So I go back to the banking industry, something very mundane, like your bank, where you have an 18% average net promoter score, then you have US... Nobody knows who I bank with. I hate my bank. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
then (laughs) then you have USAA Bank that has an 82% net promoter score because it's all about how their customers feel when they get done interacting with that bank. It's all about, so banking is very mundane and unemotional, but USAA Bank has found a way to make it very emotional and and, and attract their customers and, to them. And that's the key point. Going back to the earlier point I was making, Saini, is the fact that USAA Bank has found a way to differentiate the customer experience. And so that is really the only battleground left where, the, where you can win or lose. Everybody has a good product. Everybody has a decent service now. That's just the price of entry. The companies that are winning are the ones that have figured out how to differentiate themselves along the axis of customer experience and going but you see that with companies that we all know like Costco, Chick-fil-A, the ones that have the high net promoter score. There's no coincidence that these companies that we're all familiar with who focus on that customer experience, they have the high net promoter scores and then they have the associated higher growth rates than their competitors. And one example I'll use with Chick-fil-A and if you've gone there, you'll uh, notice in the last year, instead of saying thank you, they're now saying, it's my pleasure. And they got that from the Ritz-Carlton because it's my pleasure makes you feel better than thank you. It took them almost a year to implement that throughout the country, uh, the company. But now, anytime you go there and they, you say thank you, they'll say, it's my pleasure. Mm. So you mentioned three dimensions of the customer experience that um, are important. So uh, customers need to feel safe, they need to feel happy, and they need to feel cared for. Right. Um, and those are very fuzzy, wuzzy, wuzzy. Um, And I'm wondering if you have any specific suggestions for how CEOs might be able to think about those in the context of banking or accounting or these services that are not fuzzy, wuzzy, wuzzy or, you know, manufacturing, et cetera. Again, a great question. And here's here's the here's the the approach to getting at that, that that is consistent across any company in any industry. The first thing you have to find out is what is of importance to your customers, which is what that's essentially the the, the building block that we provide through, through the service that we provide for companies. We find out what do they really want. So the net promoter question, first of all, is what score would you give? And let's say they say I'd give them an eight. The next question is what would they have to do to earn a 10 And that's where the magic occurs, because that customer will then tell you, well, you know, in the case of this company, uh, if they did A, B and C, that would make all the difference. That would make me happy. Right. So I'm satisfied. But, yeah, there's some things they could do that would make all the difference in the world. And the CEO then takes that information and drives it into his organization to implement those changes and then he goes back to those customers to see, now how do you feel? Are you, is that happening or is that not happening? And so it's a closed loop process of constantly asking the customer what it would take to get to a 10 and then doing those things. But that's the hard work because that often requires culture change in your company, process change, and changing the, especially the customer-facing processes of how your frontline people are interacting with the, with the yeah. customer. Yeah, and that's the great thing about what we do. We are not consultants that are coming in and saying, this is what we think you should do, the Blue Ocean strategy or anything like that. We're actually, that's why the name of our company is Pragmetrics. We bring you very pragmatic information. We talk to your customer, and basically we're just feeding back what your customers tell me. And we put that in a report. 
Uh, we put all the verbatims in there, word for word verbatims. So it's not anything that's it's filtered. It's right from your customer's mouth. And they're telling you what it's going to take to for them to remain loyal. And they really give you the keys to the kingdom. Mm. And so this this perception gap that you mentioned, CEOs think they're doing great. And yeah. <laughs> really only 88% of them are. Um, how can uh, CEOs get better at even in their conversations with their customers or with the, the salespeople, really understanding whether or not the customers are evangelists or just, uh, you know, kind of paying but, for stuff. Right. Well, the first thing is to figure, to find out what is your net promoter score, right? Because that, that's the beauty of this system is there's a measurement, right? As they say, if you can't measure something, you can't control it. So most companies have this kind of fuzzy idea that, yeah, we have, our customers are very satisfied, but but how do you know? And how do you know the difference between the satisfaction level and the loyalty level? Well, a net promoter score would tell you. So if you're a CEO, that's the first thing you want to determine. What is my net promoter score? Well, I think what you said is that most CEOs are probably right, that their customers are very satisfied, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Yeah, well, another thing, too, is we found out is that you know, there are taglines that truth will set you free. So a lot of CEOs that are listening understand that all the, and they know when they put their head on the pillow at night, the information they're getting is all filtered. They're not even getting the truth from their own executive team. So the things that when we do our lunch and learns to different CEO organizations, we tell them we're going to bring you the unedited, unfiltered truth from your customer uh, because, you know, somebody else, you know, we brought, we've had... And we were brought in with a, new, a company that was put in by private equity. Uh, they put in a new CEO, and he knew about us. And he said, listen, before I do anything, I want you guys to come in and benchmark my company. Then he's going to take that information and go to, then go to his executive team. Mm. So my understanding is the net promoter um, IP is something that's out in the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the world. It's not your IP. So how, how do you do it differently than other companies who might be using the net promoter score? And you know, how do you keep your customers evangelizing and you know, more than just satisfied? Well, here's the thing. Um, most companies are using digital type surveys and very, very thin in terms of the information that that they get back from customers. Number one, any kind of a digital survey, the response rate is typically 10 or 12%. Uh, what we do is, that's different, we speak to the customers in a, in a phone conversation that may last anywhere from three or four minutes to 40 minutes. And that's entirely up to the customer. So very often our clients will say to us, how long are you going to tie up my customers? It says it entirely depends on them. And what's interesting is Mark does all of the calls and the, the ones that run longer are because the customer wants to talk, mm-hmm. right? So, so what's, <laughs> they have something to they say. They have something to say. And sometimes it's a promoter just singing the company's praises and they want to, you know, say how much they appreciate the company. Other times it's a detractor who's very upset and will go into great detail as to what it is that has caused that, you know, that emotion. Um, and that's the richness. If you, if you can deliver that kind of information back to the leadership team of the business, now they have real uh, tangible things, actionable feedback that they can use to drive change within the organization. And that's the difference between what we do and sort of just beyond, going beyond just the net promoter score itself. The net promoter score is, as, as Mark says, that is the most well-recognized true loyalty measurement. 
but it's how do you get beyond that to the things that drive the score. And many times people just go get the score, but they don't get the actionable feedback that then becomes the driver for changing the score and increasing the score. Yes, I'll give you a great example. An electronic survey couldn't have done what we did for one of our financial services company. We saved them a $20 million account. I'm talking to the person, getting the information, and we, we allow our clients to remain anonymous. So when I'm doing the interview with you, the last thing I say, I'll say, so any, you know, at the end of the conversation, you can allow your, you can use your name or not use your name. It's up to you. It doesn't matter to me. You can be anonymous. And you almost hear their countenance. Just on when I'm listening on the phone, you can almost hear them go, okay, I'll tell you the truth. Well, I was speaking with one person and the conversation was so candid that she actually emailed the CEO right after our conversation and said, Hey, I just got off the phone with Mark Fonseca. I think I may have been a little bit too candid with him. Um, do you mind if we have coffee next week? And they did. And they were about to lose a $20 million endowment uh, that they had. And then they were able to save it mm. just on the information that we found out. So you can't do that with an electronic survey. And it, so it's, it's very old school. What we do, I'm, I'm talking to the customer. I've been in direct sales for over 25 years. I've talked to hundreds of CEOs and I can sit there and listen to the voice inflection. I can listen to and just keep drilling down. Well, Sonia, what do you, tell me what you mean by that. Well, there was this one account because everybody's just because they give you a 10, everybody's 10 is different. It's very nuanced. So one person may give you a 10 because they like the food. One person likes a 10 because they like the ambiance. So everybody, just because they give you a 10, you want to know why they're, you know, so what's the why behind the number? And in terms of this, uh, this gap where the CEOs think that they're, you think that their customers are loyal or think that they're satisfied. Why is it that more CEOs don't recognize that satisfaction isn't enough? Well, here's the thing. Most, you know, most business leaders, whether you're in the corporate world leading a division or whether it's your own company, you know, we typically focus on financial measurements, sales, profitability, um, cost reduction, etc. Well, and as long as those numbers are coming in, um, typically the business leader has achieved the targets. But those are all rearview mirror uh, measurements. And customer retention is the one that is the predictor of your future financial health. But most business leaders find it, they don't know how to get a handle on that measurement. There's no real tool that most companies are aware of to get at that. They rely on these customer satisfaction surveys. They'll get, let's say, a 90% score. And so it's a nice document that's a feel-good document that goes on the shelf then, and they feel we're doing fine. They're not even measuring retention. So as long as the sales numbers are achieving the goal, they may be losing. They may have a very low retention rate and still achieve their targets. Whereas if they address that retention rate, not only would they achieve the targets, but they'd grossly exceed them. And that's, as I say, why companies like Costco are twice the size of Sam's because they have a much higher retention rate and the, the referral rate is much higher and on and on and on. But most CEOs, as I say, are not it's a harder thing to get a handle on. And the net promoter score, even though it's out there, is relatively unknown. And this is what we found when we started. It's, it's surprising how many companies have never heard of the net promoter score, and yet it's so powerful. Well, one, one thing Mike alludes to all the time is, uh, is Kmart. 
Right. Kmart's an interesting one. So Kmart, you know, as you know, declared bankruptcy. But right before they declared bankruptcy, they had a customer satisfaction rate of 96%. And this is why these indices are, are really not that useful. Another great example is we, we're all familiar with J.D. Power and all of these different measurements that are especially in the car industry. And most of these customer satisfaction uh, indices came out of the auto industry in the 80s. But what they find is that there is no correlation between customer satisfaction indices in the auto industry and repurchase rates. Which so, would be there. So what value are they really from a business point of view? Whereas the net promoter score, there is always a correlation between growth rate and net promoter score. And repeat customers and, and behavior. It's the holiday season. So one question about customer retention, customer loyalty. Do the the Christmas cards and the Christmas parties that you throw for your customers, do they do you think they make a difference? Well, I'll I'll go back to uh, Mike's brownie story, right? Every year, um, he goes out and and gives brownies to his customers. Right? Are they homemade? Yes. yes. Do you make them? My wife makes. Okay. Them. Yeah. 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 So, so those are the, those are little things. And I was at uh, I can't remember I was at Nordstrom or I can't remember where I was. Anyway, it was a very long line waiting. They were serving hors d'oeuvres in line to the customers while you waited. I mean, those were just little things. Uh, I do a lot of handwritten thank you cards. When was the last time you received a handwritten thank you card? Right. So I'm, I'm from I'm an old school guy. So I remember Tommy Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, and just little things like that. That or just like in any relationship with your with your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, it's all of the little things. That's the smallest things that make the big difference. So you actually do think they matter? Oh, absolutely. There's no uh, question. Here's what I would say to that too, though, is I think. If you don't consistently focus on delivering the great customer experience and then you send like a Christmas card, I think it's hollow. And I think people see through that. So, uh, you know, speaking, Mark, talking about the brownies in this business, other business that I own, we do focus. We, we drive the business using the net promoter score. We have a high net promoter score. We go the extra mile for our customers. And then at Christmas, we deliver the brownies. If we just deliver the brownies but didn't give a great customer experience during the year, I don't think it would have the impact. But what happens now is around November, our customers will start saying, isn't it about brownie time? <laughs> so it's consistent. You know, you have, to be, you have to be consistent. And I bet the brownies are good, too. They are very good. They're delicious. I want to turn the conversation, as I always do, to talking about you, you and your relationship and how you met each other and how you're supporting each other in business. So how did you come to, to start Pragmetrics together? Um, well, I'll tell you, the, the, the great story is, and, and this is what I love about what we do, is we started this company out of Mike being blindsided, losing his best customer. So he went out and uh, took a, his best customer to lunch, like he always does, like all of us do, takes him to lunch. Uh, so how are we doing? Oh, we're doing great. Very, uh, and so he's leaving there. What, and what business was this? Yeah, yeah, so I, I own a business where we do um, mechanical maintenance on heavy machinery. So our customers are all construction companies and manufacturing companies. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, so because this was his best customer, he would send his best mechanic out there. Okay? And, but the, person, the guy was a total slob, right? And uh, so anyway, how the mechanic, we, not the mechanic, not the customer. Not the customer, <laughs> the mechanic, right. So, so basically, he took the person to lunch, and he was actually on the way home, and he got a call from his service manager and said, hey, do you know that um, our competitor is in here doing work for our, this company? And he said, you, that's not true. Right? I just left the lunch, and they, he said the customer said everything's fine. He said, where did you hear that? 
He said, I didn't hear it. I'm looking at it. So they were actually on the property doing work while Mike was probably there having lunch. And so he was very upset for two reasons. Number one, he got blindsided and the customer lied to him. So he goes on this search uh, and he... Mike, did the customer know that the competitor was in there or was it somebody like a lower lower person who hired the competitor? The the reality was that, so the service manager who was my customer of this mechanical machinery company, um, who I'd done business with for years, told me everything was fine um, because he didn't want to give me the bad news that he had switched. Something had gone wrong in our service. I didn't know what it was. He didn't want to tell me. Because we had a relationship over years, but he had actually switched to using a competitor. And was he just splitting his volume or was he cutting you out altogether? No, he was cutting me out altogether. Yeah. Now, I would have seen it over time, but it had just begun to happen and I didn't realize it and he wasn't going to tell me. So a lot of people think that the closer you get to your customer, the better. But the closer you get to your customer, they're less likely to give you the bad news. So what happens, Mike finds us out. He, gets, he literally pulls in Perimeter Mall very upset for, you know, for a couple of reasons because he got lied to and he was like punched in the gut where you know, a lot of us has felt. So being the engineer that he is, he goes on this search and, and about customer retention. How do I keep my customers loyal? Finds this book called The Ultimate Question, which is by Bain, uh, reads the book. And we were in the same business group together. So he calls me and he says, Mark, I want to, I want to hire you to do something for me. So he come to his office. He fills me in about the whole net promoter system, how it works. And he said, I want to hire you to call my 30 top customers. And so what he did was he called all of his customers, said, hey, listen, I'm hiring this guy named Mark Fonseca. I want you to be completely candid and completely honest with him. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want you to give him the truth. We really want to enhance our customer experience. So I called them. And what I found out what he wouldn't tell Mike was because it was their best account, uh, Mike would always send their best mechanic, but he was a slob. He would leave oil dry and napkins everywhere. But the guy overlooked it because he was so good. Well, one day... The guy being the customer. The the guy being the customer. Well, one day his boss was in there and saw the mechanic and what a slob he was. And he said, I don't want them on my property ever again. And he overrode him and he was too embarrassed to tell Mike, but he told me on the phone. And when... So I brought all, we talked to all these customers, brought back all this information that Mike had no idea. And he said, hey, we've got something here. I think there are other companies that would love to know this information from their customers because they're not getting the truth either. Mm. And that's how he started Pragmetrics. What, what yeah. was your net promoter score? You might you know well, actually, what it well, was. No, actually, it was pretty good. It was in the 70% range because we had always tried pretty hard, but we still had quite a few customers who were in that eight range and... There were some, here's the thing, there were some accounts that I thought were might be vulnerable that were absolutely solid, and there were some that I thought were totally solid that were some, there were some cracks that I didn't know about, but we were able to go and address. And here's what's interesting, um, and for any CEO out there, what's really interesting, it's always an operational issue. You know, what typically happens when, when a CEO is running a business and sales are not where they need to be, the first thing you do is bring in the VP of sales and say, we need to, you know, we need more marketing, we need more leads, we need more sales calls. Most of the time, what you need to do is fix the operational side of the business so that you raise that customer experience, reduce defection, and then the growth will come naturally. So every piece of feedback that we bring, and we've done this for quite a few clients now, it's never, well, I'd like you to send your salesperson to see me more often, or I'd like you to send me more marketing marketing literature. It's the, <laughs> I would like you to ship on time. I would like you to, um, you know, if you have something that you've got a short ship, I'd like to know ahead of time. 
you know, it's very often it's it's small stuff, but it's communication. It's it's just constantly thinking about the customer and how you you, you kind of put yourself in the customer's shoes. So as I say, those are the things that that come out of that feedback. That's that's how I changed my business. The my mechanical business now we run it entirely on that basis. We almost make no sales calls. In fact, the, after this happened and I lost that that key account. I thought, well, what am I out making sales calls for if I'm losing customers? So we stopped all sales activities for a year and focused entirely on implementing the net promoter system in the business and in raising the customer experience. And the business grew 20% and we had no key account defections. So we had 20% growth with no sales. Right. And and part of that reason was just, and he had a lot of 10, so he had a high score. So he got a lot of 10. So one question I ask, if someone gives me a 10, I'll say, well, let me ask you a question, Sweeney. What could Mike do to get from a 10 to a 12? If he had a magic wand to just blow you away. And one guy said, well, while he's in there fixing the hose, if he could change the oil filter, the gas filter, and the air filter while he's in there, that would help us a great deal and eliminate downtime. So I just kind of squirreled that away. So the next guy that gave him a 10 that couldn't think of anything, I said, well, let me ask you this. What if he could do these things? Three things. Out of the 30 people, 17 guys that gave him a 10 said that would be amazing. So now he carries filters on his truck that he didn't do before, and that's been part of his growth was the filters. So just because someone gives you a 10, what could, it, what could they do, the magic wand question, to get to a 12 and really exceed your expectations? So that information allows for innovation and other things that you could do uh, in your marketing program to also delight your customer. Wow. Yep. So at the end of the day, it becomes a source of innovation for you right as where you should drive the business what other additional products and services as i say you know if you want to know how to run your business just ask your customers mm-hmm. how does the 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 net promoter score and focusing on customer service affect um just the client relationship in general so i imagine and, I, and I, this is a question that just by asking the question you you get a lot of credit yeah it's uh we did some work for a company in augusta a steel company and we started the program I got seven calls into calling the customers. Three of those seven uh, customers called the sales manager and said, thank you so much for uh, doing this. It just, it, that cre- it creates loyalty just doing the exercise. Um, because very few people, there's people, a lot of people that do electronic surveys. Anybody can do MailChimp or SurveyMonkey. But actually bringing in people to talk to your customer for you and, and really get the human element and have a conversation that goes anywhere from, from five minutes to 40 or 30 minutes. And, the, and they're just allowing the customer to vent and vent and vent. That creates, that creates emotion. Electronic surveys are very unemotional. But when you actually have a, another human being talking to your customer, that just brings you closer and, you know, that being, brings you closer to your yeah, we did a, here's an, We did an interesting, we did a, a project for a packaging company recently. And the way we get it set up is we ask the president of the company or some senior executive to ask the customers to participate. So you and get a sponsor. Yeah, it's very important. And we had, when Mark called one of the customers, so the president of, our, of the company who we were doing work for left a voicemail for this person asking them to participate. This was a customer of his. And when Mark called him, he says, I I couldn't believe I got a voicemail from the president of the company asking me to speak with you. He says, I'd save the voicemail. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So when you set it up this way, you you automatically begin to connect with your customers out on different level. Mm. And that's why our hit rate is over 90% versus an electronic survey that's in the in the teens we're in the high 90s as far as our hit rate and talking to customers because 
of how it's set up. The CEO or the president or someone at a high level calls and says, we're bringing these people in. We want to raise the bar on our customer experience this year. We would love for you to take the, take the call. You're not going to hurt our feelings. Uh, you can you remain anonymous, but we just want your honest feedback and, and people will give it to you. Is it that the surveys, the data from the surveys is inaccurate or is it just that they, it's not as um, robust? It's not, well, it's not actionable. That's the key word, right? It's, it's not something that, because to make it actionable, you have to drill a little deeper. As Mark just said, tell me a little more what you mean by that. Um, if somebody just says, uh, you know, um, late deliveries, well, if that's on a survey, how do you, how does a business leader take that and change it? I mean, is that a single incident? Is it a single product? So it requires fleshing it out and drilling down and you can only do that in a conversation. Yeah, so I'll ask, I'll ask, okay, so you need, so tell me what that, how does that late delivery affect your job? What happens? Oh, well, then I've got to start scrambling around. I've got to make other calls. I've got to call customers. I've got to try and get this filled in. So you just keep drilling down and drilling down until, you know, like say one of uh, Mike's customers that I called that he thought was at risk because every time he called Mike, he would say, oh, do, you know, if you're not out here in an hour, I'm going to call your competitor. Well, he would jump and jump and jump and get there. But when I called him and asked him that question, he said, well, I'm just really pulling Mike's chain. He said, I will never use his competitor. Mike is the gold standard in the industry. And he said, because if I call them, I know that he'll be out there. I promised my wife I'd be home at six o'clock for dinner every night. I know if I call Mike's company, I'll be home. If I call his competitor, I won't. So there's the human element, right? So when you really drill down, you really get down to the hum- why they're using you. It's always the why that they're using you. There's, there, and it's, why is always emotional because people buy on emotion and they justify with logic. And so how long have you had the company together? This, we started this about three and a half years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we did it in my business, as Mark says, and then started doing it for other companies. And it's just kind of grown organically since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all been, we've been drinking our own bathwater. So our, our business has grown by referrals from other people, other work that we, people that we've done work for. Mm. So as you think about the future of Pragmetrics, what do you expect to, to happen? And, and what's your, what are your thoughts moving forward? Well, you know, I think, um, as I say, what's amazing is how relatively unknown the net promoter score is. So we want to continue to to get that message out there. I think for any any CEO, it you know, it, and I have you know sat in those chairs. I know it's it's lonely, right? When you're you're responsible for those numbers, and and ultimately it's it rests with you. This is an incredible tool. It's an outside-in look at your business that you can't get from anybody inside the organization or from any consultant. So we're just excited about the opportunity to bring it out to more companies. Uh, you know, we focus purely in, on B2B um, because in B2C, obviously, there's thousands and thousands of customers. So we leave that to other businesses to, you know, who can address that through digital means or, or whatever. Um, so, but we can do it for in the B2B space with any size of company. We've done companies that are 5 million in revenue and we've done a company that's 1.2 billion in revenue. So as I say, for us, we see there's such a need out there and it's, it's so powerful for any business leader or business owner that we just want to continue to do more of it. And, and we get, uh, a lot of our business through speaking engagements. So if there's anybody out there, CEO organizations that, um, so speaking is a, is a great way to get our message out as well. Mm. If 
anybody listening wants to find more out about the Net Promoter Score um, and read a little bit more about how it works and the difference between satisfaction and loyalty, mm-hmm. w- what are some places that they might be able to get that information? Well, a couple of things. You can go to our website, right, um, which is www.pragmetrics.com. Another great place is uh, the uh, is Bain website that are the developer of the net promoter system and that's netpromotersystem.com and then there's a terrific book that was written by the the inventor if you like within Bain uh, of the net promoter system and it's called the ultimate question 2.0 and that's a great easy read and gives you tremendous background and examples of companies that have you know thrived through using the system great and finally, if um, listeners want to get in touch with you specifically to find out more about uh, anything that you mentioned today, how can they do that? Yeah, they can go to our website, uh, which is pragmetrics.com. It's spelled P-R-A-G-M-E-T-R-I-X.com. Uh, they can certainly pick up the phone and call us uh, at 404-983-4121. Um, or, or email, or email you know. at uh, mark or mike at pragmetrics.com. Thank you. Thanks for a great show. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.